Welcome to the Faith Connections Podcast, a partnership between the Foundry Publishing, Nazarene Discipleship International, and Holiness Today. Welcome to our study this week of 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 12 to 21. My name is Scott Rainey. I serve with the Church of the Nazarene in the area of Nazarene Discipleship International, or NDI. This adult Sunday school video lesson is provided in collaboration between the Foundry Publishing and NDI. The Sunday school lesson is intended to support the local church's efforts to make disciples who make disciples. Please feel free to use this video in any way that helps your church or its families. The Jews held what was what Christians now refer to as the Old Testament as their holy scriptures. The 39 books of the Old Testament were written centuries before the birth of Jesus, between the years 1400 BC and 400 BC. This scripture was considered authoritative for the family of God. It wasn't until AD 90, however, that the Jewish rabbis of the Council of Jamnia, named after the city in central Israel where the council took place, officially designated the 39 books of the Old Testament as the Hebrew standard, the word of God. The early followers of Jesus, who were Jewish, had inherited the Hebrew Bible. They were also recipients of a gospel message that proclaimed a new testament or a, a new covenant, a new promise. Although the New Testament, as we know it today, was not fully formed or formally recognized in the day of Paul or Peter, the preaching and teaching of the apostles about Jesus as the fulfillment of scriptures and the only way to the Father provided early Christian believers with a new and compelling authority. As time marched on, as the decades since Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension faded into history, fewer and fewer people who had actually been with Jesus face-to-face -face were living to tell the story. There were even people who had never seen or heard Jesus personally who began to tell their own cleverly devised stories, according to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16. Those still living who could tell a personal account of time with Jesus, like Peter in the case of our lesson for this week, desired to pass their true witness on to the second generation church. This witness became a part of what is called scripture today, or the New Testament. It consists of 27 books written roughly between the years 50 and 100 AD. Inclusion of written material into the New Testament was determined in light of several factors. One factor used was that the New Testament writing was produced by someone who had actually seen and heard Jesus personally, like the apostles. Another factor was that the writings chosen as authoritative were those that were already in broad use in the early Christian worship gatherings. It was in 397 AD that delegates of the Council of Carthage in North Africa officially declared the 27 books we now have as the New Testament as the official scriptures for the followers of Christ. The New Testament, like the Old Testament, holds authoritative rule for faith and practice in the church. Peter's desire for his second letter is that his writings 
would be a continual reminder of God's good news of salvation for a broken and sinful world. Take special note as we read how often Peter uses the language of remembering. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 12 through 21. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know that I will soon put it aside as the Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable, as you will do well to pay attention to it, as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. In our passage, Peter offers three witnesses for the truth of the gospel. If his readers pay attention to these witnesses, they will be able to determine what is true and what is false. So let's begin with witness number one, Peter's personal testimony. Peter gave his own testimony as the first witness to the gospel. This testimony is found in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. It includes these basic truths. First, through Jesus, God has given us everything we need for a godly life. Next, God has given us his very great and precious promises that enable us to live Christ-like. Third, by continually growing in Christ, we can be effective and productive for his sake. And finally, God can help us to be faithful to the end. And to those who are faithful to the end, he will give a rich inheritance. This is good news indeed. Peter acknowledged that his readers already knew these things and even had been firmly established in the truth, according to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. They were not new Christians. They were established in their faith. Even still, Peter says that he will always continue to remind them of these things. 
three times in four verses, Peter mentioned our need to remember. Are we really that forgetful? The older I get, the more I realize the answer to that question is yes. I often remind my daughters that I have already forgotten more than they have learned to this point in their life. And, it, and if I need to remember something new, I have to choose what piece of memory I will now forget. Research on human memory confirms what Peter knew. Our brains are selective in what we hear, what we store, and what we recall. Because of this, learning requires repetition, hearing, speaking, practicing over and over again. Yes, it was good and right for Peter to remind the church of the true gospel. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 14 reveals that Peter has received some form of revelation from Jesus that his time on earth was coming to an end soon. He referred to his body as a tent, a common Greek metaphor for the human body. A tent is temporary, and so too are bodies. According to early church tradition, Peter was martyred in Rome by the emperor Nero around the year AD 65. It is possible that Peter knew his martyrdom was imminent. There's a sense of urgency in Peter's message. He wanted to make the best of the remaining time he had. I had befriended a man named Kevin in Fort Wayne, Indiana, where I served on staff as the pastor of evangelism and discipleship from 1994 to 1998. Kevin was quite sick and his doctors had told him that he only had a short time to live. He had recently come to faith in Jesus and his joy was evidence on his face. I remember the day he told me that he wanted to call a family meeting and he wanted me to be present as he told his family about Jesus. There was an urgency in his voice like I sense when I read Peter's letter here. He wanted to pass down his faith to the next generation and his testimony confirmed the truth of the gospel. I am sure Kevin's family will never forget the words he shared that day. It is likely that you have had people in your life who've taught you about Jesus but are no longer present on this earth. There are two mentors in my life, Reverend Jerry Stipp, and Dr. Sandy Ardry, who are with Jesus today. I can still hear them saying certain things to me when life circumstances come to pass. They still speak through their message and their life. Hebrews chapter 11, verse four, speaks of Abel, Adam's son, with these words. And by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. Peter wanted his readers to remember the true gospel even once he was gone. This letter was a part of his attempt to ensure that the church did not forget the good news he had to share. We should pause and consider specific ways we are working to help those who come behind us to not forget the good news. What are you saying to your kids? What are you leaving for your grandkids? May our witness of the gospel remain once we've gone to be with Jesus. The witness didn't end with Peter's testimony though. Peter moved to a second witness of the true gospel, 
That is divine affirmation. In verse 16, Peter mentioned eyewitnesses to Jesus' ministry. He contrasted these eyewitness accounts with those who made up cleverly devised stories. The Greek word for stories is also translated as myths. This is the first time in this letter where Peter spoke of false prophets and teachers who were leading believers astray. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, Peter's more direct on the same topic. He said, but there will also be, there were also false prophets among the people, just as uh, there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. As we mentioned last week, we need to be diligent students of the word of God in order to recognize destructive heresies. When theologians, pastors, or any believers say, I believe this or that, and their belief goes against the word of God, this would fall into the example Peter is speaking of here, destructive heresies and cleverly devised stories. Peter's message was not something he invented. He wasn't creating a new truth for the world to know. He was simply an instrument of making known something that was already true. The fact that Peter was an eyewitness gives his words authority as true teaching about the gospel. Peter then moves on to a specific account that he was eyewitness to, the transfiguration. Of course, Jesus was honored by the Father with an audible voice at his baptism and his transfiguration. Peter wasn't alone in his eyewitness account to the transfiguration. James and John were also with him according to Matthew 17 verses 1 through 5. Peter heard the voice from heaven. The words of the Father are highlighted in 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 17. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. This witness to the good news was a divine affirmation. God the Father affirming his son, Jesus Christ. In the Greco-Roman world, a son did not have full status and benefits as heir until acknowledged by his father. Peter's reference to God the Father's public acknowledgement of Jesus would have been understood by his readers to signal that ultimate authority and reliability lies with Jesus, the living word of God. Peter's clear in his letter that the focus of the gospel message is Jesus who, as God's son, is loved by the Father and who will come again in power. It's not a made-up story. It is that which Peter had seen and heard. It came to him from God. As second-generation Christians, the readers had the testimony of people like Peter. Peter connects their faith, and ultimately ours, to the historical events of Jesus Christ. Believers then and now know from an experiential encounter with Jesus that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. The witness to the truth of the gospel included Peter's testimony and divine affirmation of the Son, but there's still more. The witness is also found in the scripture. 
God's written word. If we desire to know the gospel we are hearing is true, Paul offers a third witness for his readers, the prophetic message. Likely, this is a reference to the Old Testament. However, Peter is truly saying that the Old Testament record and the new message about Jesus together are reliable as scripture. Peter, like all early Christians, believed that the scriptures prophesied about Jesus and the salvation he brought. Peter urges his readers to pay attention, verse 19, to that message. The verb tense here implies more than a mental process of paying attention to something, but can have a sense of deep devotion, followed by the application of what has been studied. The readers can trust the prophecies in Scripture as completely reliable and certain because they've been proven true with the test of time and experience. Peter doesn't stop there. He goes on to identify that which is most critical, continuing engagement with and response to both the Old Testament and the new revelation in Christ. You see, the word of God is not to be read once and placed on a shelf somewhere. We're called to continually engage with God's message. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The lesson I'm teaching today is for Sunday, January 1, 2023, the first day of the new year. What if all of us listening determined in our hearts to meet with Jesus through his word every day throughout 2023? I am sure what we would all experience is a sense of greater light in the dark places of our world. In fact, Peter uses the word picture of a light that shines in a dark place. The word for dark is rare, actually, in Greek literature and has a sense of being murky or cloudy. Scripture provides uh, the light of understanding that shines away the fog of ignorance. There is an implication uh, in Peter's words that this may take some time in the life of someone living in darkness. You can see in verse 19 that this light shines in a dark place, quote, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, unquote. It is as if the overwhelming evidence of God's truth found in his word can one day awaken the most vile sinner and the darkness must flee when the light comes. The morning star is the first hint that dawn is coming. And of course, Jesus Christ is referred to as the morning star in Revelation chapter 22, verse 16. Just as the morning star ushers in the light of day, faith in Jesus, the light of the world, removes the dark cloud of doubt. Our passage ends in verse 21, with a great reminder for all of us today. The verse is stronger in the original Greek than it is in English. The Greek verb translated had its origin is the same verb as translated were carried. 
that would bring a possible translation of verse 21 as for prophecy was never carried along in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Same word. Scripture was not carried by humans, but carried by the Holy Spirit. Interestingly, the same verb is also used in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 18, where it said that the Father's voice, heard by Peter at the transfiguration, was carried along from heaven. In other words, the voice from heaven and the prophetic word have the same source. Both came from God the Father, and Peter was witness to both. So consider this truth. The Holy Spirit carried the writers of the scripture so that the word was truly from God. And the Holy Spirit carries us, the readers, so that we hear scripture, we hear the voice of God. Reading and interpreting scripture is a significant and vital discipline in the Christian life, both personally and communally. As we approach scripture, we enter into this practice prayerfully and with humility, asking that God would reveal through his spirit truth and life as we seek to know and follow God. We have a whole year in front of us, 2023. Let us listen daily to God's voice as it is carried along by the Holy Spirit to us through his word. Thank you for listening to the Faith Connections podcast. If you wish to order Faith Connection materials for your local church, please visit thefoundrypublishing.com. If you've enjoyed this production and wish to hear more, visit holinesstoday.org podcast or find us on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts.